1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Issues, state compliance. All those matters that you'd spend tons of time researching online and would just end up frustrated, not sure the answers you have are right. auiinfo.com Type your questions into the chat. Get your answers. Get the help you need from auiinfo.com. FM, The Answer. One of the things we try to do here on The Bruce Hooley Show is bring you insightful guests, people who are smart, people who have the ability to analyze the news and also enlighten your perspective on the news. And in that vein, it's my pleasure to welcome to The Bruce Hooley Show one of the hosts from The Daily Wire. I listen to his podcast, The Michael Knowles Show, frequently. He is Michael Knowles, and he's also the author of the new book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Michael, thanks so much for your time today.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure is all
1: mine. One of the things I love most about your podcast is it's early in the morning, and with my new show time from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., I'm able to listen to your podcast before I do or while I'm doing my show prep. And so I'd be curious. I've picked up as a Daily Wire subscriber that you're a relatively young guy, and you've reached a point of obviously clear distinction in the profession at a very young age, I'd be curious to know how you became so passionate as a conservative and uh, why this book in particular was a calling for you to write and how you found the inspiration to write it.
2: Well, thank you for the compliment. I uh, I think some people might just be born a little conservative or a little politically minded. I, I This is not a joke. I know it's going to sound like some Kamala Harris fable, but actually one of my first... Phrases that I ever learned, my grandpa taught it to me, is read my lips and no new taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he taught me that at the dinner table. So there, there was always an interest early on. Specifically on this issue of language, I've wondered at this question for a few years now, which is how is it that the majority of Americans, I think, but certainly a vast majority of conservatives, believe that political correctness is destroying this country? It's a very serious problem one of the biggest issues in the nation. And we've been fighting against it for at least 30 years. And yet, we have only lost ground. I went back in the book, and I tried to trace the history of PC, which I think goes back much further than the 30 or 40 years that people usually think it does. I think it goes back about 100 Going to be? What are those standards going to be? And more importantly, who decides? And I think that because the left has been willing to engage with that question, they have totally upended the, the political order in their favor. And unfortunately, conservatives have mostly been twiddling our thumbs.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. The book is "Speechless: Controlling Words, Controlling Minds." Its author is Michael Knowles. Michael is also the host of the Michael Knowles Show on the Daily Wire. And if Prager used the book club, Michael, you know, I guess I think a lot of people would characterize political correctness as a polite way to say something. Oh, that's a much nicer way of saying something. But I think you do a great job in this book of pointing out that there is an end game to political correctness, and one of the sentences you wrote that I underline is that political correctness didn't begin as a crusade for civility; it began as a political campaign to upend Western society. Uh, Build that out a little bit for us and explain to us what you mean by that.
2: Yes, the usual argument we hear from the left is that political correctness is just about being nice, just about being polite. And so you'll see this with the, the politically correct transformation of an illegal alien, for instance, into an undocumented American. Well, I suppose that's polite to the foreign national who wants to live in our country and enjoy the the benefits of being in this country, but it's not very polite to the American citizen or the American taxpayer or the American system of law. You see this with uh, transgenderism. It might be very polite to call a man who thinks that he's a woman she or her, but it's not very polite to the little girl who wants to change in peace, in privacy, without a man looking at her, Mm. or a woman who wants to use the bathroom by herself. So uh, it's uh, polite to some people, and it's rather impolite to other people. But politeness was never the point. The point was always to upend traditional standards. And I make the historical case in the book, and and I, I, I think I make it, if I do say so myself, pretty watertight. I, I think that you can see a clear connection between the brilliant leftist theorists in the 20s, all the way up to the way PC expresses itself today. What we need to remember is that all liberty requires limits. From the very beginning of this country, there are whole swaths of speech that are off limits. I'm thinking of threats, fighting words, sedition, obscenity. Uh, these things are still illegal uh, today, even uh, not enforced quite as much. And uh, the reason for this is that uh, some speech can actually undermine speech. And uh, freedom itself is not just the pursuit of our own appetites willy-nilly. If that were the case, then a a heroin addict with a couple bucks in his pocket would be the freest guy in the world. Actually, liberty requires uh, boundaries it requires discipline. When when John Adams says the Constitution is built for moral and religious people, he's just making an observation about politics and about freedom. So the left understands this. They are shaping those boundaries and those limits, and I think that it, it, as conservatives have forgotten that in, in the recent couple of decades, uh, we've, we've really lost ground. If we, if we don't start to reassert a substantive vision of politics, then we're going to lose the whole game because free speech in the abstract doesn't actually mean anything to people who don't have anything to say.
1: Michael Knowles is our guest. Michael, make sure you listen to The Michael Knowles Show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, all the podcast platforms. I would say become a Daily Wire subscriber. The only way to have conservative news is to support news from a conservative prism. And The Daily Wire certainly does that. Ben Shapiro, Andrew Claven, Matt Walsh, uh, really great reporting. The site is growing. They're branching into uh, entertainment and other avenues. Uh, this is a very valuable service that they provide. A lot of what you just mentioned, Michael, I think you do a great job of building out in your book the far-reaching nature of words and how they control minds. Your book is Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. You make the point, a drug addict used to be a junkie, started as a junkie, then it's an addict, and now there's some other euphemism that absolves them of any responsibility in their dysfunction. As a conservative, you know, our kind of bent is, leave me alone. Government, leave me alone, stay out of my life. And I think I wonder to what extent you think the complexity of fighting and winning this battle is that you're engaging with soldiers who a lot of their mindset is, "I just want to be left alone."
2: Conservatives may not care about the culture, but the culture cares about conservatives. <laughs> That's the lesson that I think we've learned. In a society where people just agree on a lot of things, you've got to examine all of those behaviors. Who washes the dishes? What, what your chicken sandwich company thinks about marriage or whatever, these things are all settled. They're not really up for debate. So what the radicals set out to do was unsettle all of those questions. And the fact is they succeeded. So now if we conservatives want to return to a normal era where we can all be amiable and not not debate even what is a man and what is a woman, we can't even agree on that anymore, then the, the only way we're going to get out is through actually got to fight fight this political battle and resettle these questions once again. Right now they're being resettled on the left playing ground. I, I remember there was a, a conservative writer, David French, now he's probably considered much more of a liberal writer, and he famously said, infamously said a couple of years ago, that Drag queen story hour is one of the blessings of liberty. And you, you can hear James Madison rolling over in his brain, <laughs> what he's saying. If we tell perverts that they can't jiggle for kids at the library, why then the left might tell us we can't go to church on Sunday. They're already telling us we can't go to church. i have been doing it for a year now. Yep. But even beyond that practical consideration, if you're telling me that we really can't tell the difference between a, a pervert twerking for a toddler and a pastor preaching the gospel, then what you're telling me you is that we don't have faculties of reason, we don't have any moral judgment, we can't know anything about anything. And that is not a sustainable political strategy. The left is making claims about what is right and what is good. And what they're saying is, drag Queen story hour is good and church is bad, and, and you're going to promote one and not the other. But there really is no neutrality here. We, we all need to speak a language. So either the illegal alien is an illegal alien or he's an undocumented American. If he's an undocumented American, then he's not leaving the country and he's entitled to all the rights that all the other Americans are. If he's an illegal alien, that's, that's something different. We cannot be complacent. Uh, Our indecision or our refusal to make a decision is itself a kind of decision, and it's the decision to concede the culture to the left.
1: Michael Knowles, our guest, he is the author of Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, host of The Daily Wire, The Michael Knowles Show. That is such a great point that I've made this point before. It's not a battle you get to choose to sit out. The tidal wave is going to overwhelm you if you don't choose to swim against it or, as you said, Uh, The way out is to fight through it. The hope that I have, and I think the hope that you have, is that the truth is on our side. And I tell people all the time, you know, you may seem like you're in the minority. You're really not in the minority. It, unfortunately, in this case, only takes a small percentage of the culture, a passionate, loud, committed percentage of the culture to shift the culture. That's what I see going on. Uh, I'm curious. The midterms are approaching. 2024 is on the horizon I do feel like it's a very consequential election season and presidential election certainly coming on. I would love for it to be about the future of America, not the recent past. What do you see uh, with what I think is a real deep Republican bench of candidates, uh, but a looming force in Donald Trump that I think would motivate Democrats and people who just don't like Trump to come out and vote against him that I think would be a detriment to Republicans getting the White House back. I love the man's policies. I could do without some of the bluster. I would vote for him, but I know a lot of people wouldn't. Otherwise, he'd still be president.
2: This is the big question, the the big uh, elephant in the room, as it were. Uh, Will he run? Right now, he has made every signal that he will run. And people around him have said that he will run. And uh, he has reportedly told people that he will run. So I think we have to assume that this is a real option, and very likely if he does run, he will clear the field. Mm. It's hard to imagine that Ron DeSantis would run. I mean, DeSantis at this point is one one uh, bottle of spray tan away from just morphing to Donald Trump. They're they're running in such a similar uh, pattern. So it's hard to see that. Uh, however, President Trump, I love the guy, and I've voted for him twice. The one thing we can know— with some confidence, is that if the polls are to be believed right now, Republicans are going to do very, very well in the midterms and in the presidential election. Shenanigans happen all the time. But if we can ensure the integrity of that election, I uh, even with the questions brought up by Trump, I think Republicans will still do very well.
1: Michael Knowles, the author of Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. I highly recommend you get it, read it, and delve deeply into it. It'll give you a great way to understand the culture and what you're fighting against as a conservative. Also, listen to The Michael Knowles Show on a daily basis. You can find it on iTunes, all the popular podcast platforms. Subscribe to The Daily Wire. You're doing great work, Michael. I appreciate very much what you do, and I appreciate you coming on the show today.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Punch is all mine.
1: My thanks to Michael Knowles for joining the show. I'm not paid by the Daily Wire, and I pay for my Daily Wire subscription. It's well worth it. Uh, Just word to the wise on that. Uh, Tomorrow on the show, uh, Congressional 15th District former candidate and back with Center for Christian Virtue, Ruth Edmonds will join the show. So looking forward to talking to Ruth Edmonds tomorrow, 1230 today, Money Monday with our friend, Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby is at the podium, has been, for the better part of an hour, answering questions about Afghanistan. The one question that he will not answer at this point in time is uh, whether he is being specific or vague, which sounds like he's being vague to me, when he says there are several thousand Americans left behind in Afghanistan.
3: David.
0: John, were you being uh, <clears throat> deliberately vague when you uh, said the number of Americans was several thousand or was it <clears throat> because you're not sure of the number? If, if you need to check the number, I mean, that's, that's the most important number here, the number of Americans. So if it's just a, a matter of checking the number, can you do that and give it to us? Or if you're being deliberately vague, tell, tell me why you're being deliberately vague.
3: I think I'm just going to leave it at several thousand right now, Dave.
0: Well, then tell us why.
3: Because I think uh, the number is very fluid, um, and it literally changes nearly by the hour. It's not
0: more fluid than, than these
1: eleven I'm going to
3: leave it at several thousand right now.
1: Waffa. The number's not fluid. Their knowledge of the number is fluid. There are people in Afghanistan. They're n- not any more going in. Trust me on that. The number's not fluid at all. Their awareness of the number is fluid. They may be getting desperation calls. They may be hearing from somebody here in the U.S. Hey, my son, daughter, wife, husband is in Afghanistan. No, the number's not fluid. Their knowledge of the situation is fluid um, and um, pretty... Inadequate, I would say. Uh, John Kirby had a bad, bad weekend uh, at the podium trying to answer questions because uh, it's not just Fox News, but in this instance, it is Fox News. Lucas Tomlinson questioning John Kirby on uh, more of the things that he has said or uh, things that the president has said.
3: John, two days before Kabul fell, you said from that podium, quote, the city is not right now in any imminent threat environment. How could you get that so wrong? In the moment that I said it, Lucas, uh, it was true. Um, and I understand, I've, I've, I've seen the reactions out there on social media to what I said. With Taliban. In the moment that I said it, based on what we knew at the time, uh, it was a true statement. And yes, two days later, things. Dramatically changed. I readily admit that uh, things moved very, very quickly, Lucas. Uh, and and as you heard the chairman up here just uh, a few days ago say that you know that there was there wasn't any indication that you know that uh, that, that that they had received uh, that things could evolve as quickly a, as they did. But indication, cities have been falling Lucas, all week, every day. Yes, I understand, Lucas. I understand. I understand. All I can tell you is, uh, in the moment that I made those remarks. They were accurate. I'm committed 100% to being as truthful and as honest up here and as transparent as I can be. Um, and I'm comfortable uh, that while others may ridicule what I say and 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 take issue with it, I'm comfortable that what I'm giving you is the best information I have the moment that I have it. And I would hope and understand that people would see that events have continu- did and have continued to evolve very very quickly. There, the the assessment, uh, the threat is going to change, and it could change literally by the hour. So we're, we're trying to give you as, the best we can, as and lean as far forward as we can in the moment. But that moment's going to change. Friday about it could be changing by the hour. You said there was no imminent threat of Kabul falling. That's be- I, I, again. I think I've answered the question.
1: No, he didn't answer the question. I kind of it. Here's the thing. John Kirby could be a complete and total ill-intentioned liar, or he could be a dupe handed a short straw with a big salary to do the job that he's doing. I do believe that the situation on the ground can change dramatically. I think it's a bad choice of words for him to say, I'm comfortable telling you what I've told you. There's been a lot of speculation about what's happened in Afghanistan and Joe Biden's possible compromised cognitive abilities playing a role in it. Um, You know, that he doesn't remember what his generals told him or he doesn't have the ability to comprehend what's going on on the ground. Here's another possibility, which I think maybe is a likelihood. He's just lying to you. Why do we discount that? We give him a pass because he's almost 80 and he's doddering and he looks like a fool.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.